Every great love story begins with a Harry Winston diamond. For nearly a century, Harry Winston has been the name behind some of the world's most exceptional diamonds. That's because every Harry Winston diamond ring is as one of a kind as the love story it represents, the ultimate symbol of romance, devotion, and elegance. From emerald cut and cushion cut to oval and pear-shaped, every diamond is hand-selected for maximum beauty and brilliance and placed in a timeless platinum setting. Say I do to a Harry Winston engagement ring and you're happily ever after at harrywinston.com. Love now and Did you fall in love last time? I love love was stronger than anything. For the love, love. And I love you more than anything. Love, love. From the New York Times, I'm Anna Martin. This is Modern Love. Today's essay is about an age difference in a potential romantic relationship. But actually, it's not really an age difference. It's more like an age gap, an age gulf, an age chasm. It's called Please Lord, Let Him Be 27, written by Heather Von Rohr and read by Sam Dez. He had been in Los Angeles for a month, but he said he hadn't seen much. The ocean, a couple of record stores, and the stretch of concrete he hiked to get to the library where I happened to work. I lent him my copy of The Day of the Locust and offered to show him around. I was almost 37. He was much younger. How much younger? I was afraid to find out. A year and a half earlier, I had moved to L.A. with aspirations. To make it as a screenwriter, and to fall in love, get married, and have a child. In need of a day job, I took an entry-level position at the research library of a prestigious film academy. I imagined I would soon move up. So far, nothing had gone to plan. Though my work was menial and the paycheck meager, the job had its pleasures. Shelves of bound screenplays, troves of Hollywood ephemera and screenings of classic films luminously restored. So I remained in my post. While at home, nights and weekends, I made endless revisions to my script. Nick turned up at the library in mid-September, with a gap-toothed smile and pale limbs emerging from his shorts and button-up shirt. He had come 6,000 miles from Edinburgh to spend three months doing research for a biography of the 70s film director Hal Ashby. Nick became a fixture in the special collections reading room. Day after day, he pored over Hal Ashby's papers sidling up to the desk with requests for photocopies or help deciphering the scrawl on a manuscript, but also to chat about movies, culture shock, the antics of his crazy landlady. Our conversations took on a playful intimacy, and when he went back to his table, I found myself watching him. Lord, let him be 27, I thought. If he were more than 10 years younger than me, I had decided, the difference in maturity and experience would be too great. 
We started having lunch together on a bench in front of the library, talking about our tastes in books and music and film, as if our identities depended on it. I was relieved to learn that his favorite Ashby film was not Harold and Maude, the love story of a boyish 20-year-old and a 79-year-old woman. I didn't ask how old he was. I had decided by then it didn't matter. He would be gone soon, and that would be the end of it. But at home, I listened to Big Star's Ode to Adolescent Love 13 on repeat with an ardor that suggested it did matter. On the eve of my 37th birthday, we had our first real date. And as I was driving him home, we admitted our mutual crushes. We were on Venice Boulevard, approaching the turn-off to his house in a hush of uncertain anticipation. When the song on the radio changed, and I recognized the first notes of 13. I turned to him and said, I'm going to keep driving. He didn't object as we headed toward the beach. Big star serenading us. Won't you let me walk you home from school? Won't you let me meet you at the pool? Thirteen, I now knew, was not only an age that resonated with the mood of our budding romance. It also turned out to be the difference between our ages. He was not 27. He was barely 24. Before coming to L.A., he had been living with his parents. It was an age gap I might have found acceptable in a relationship if he were in his 30s and I in my 40s. For now, our only reasonable option was a fling. On the beach, we made out, sand in our shoes and hair. So began our secret romance. Secret because I didn't want to endure the inevitable Harold and Maude jokes at work. On walks in the hills, we took in the city with vertiginous wonder. Its horizons mirroring the unexpected expansiveness of our feelings. On weekdays, we developed a routine of drop-offs and pickups, of knowing looks and secluded lunches, thrilling at the harmless deception that bound us together. Weekends, we crisscrossed the city, going to museums and bookstores, diners and taquerias, beaches and trails. As his departure neared, the question of the future hung over us, until I laid out plainly what we both already knew. I wanted a family. And if we were to continue our relationship, it would have to be with the intention of exploring that. We spent our last minutes together before his flight sitting at the foot of a flagpole at LAX, clutching each other's fingers, a terrible tenderness in the air. And then he was gone, with a promise to visit in March. Then he accepted a writing residency in Scotland, and we put our plans on hold. We kept visiting, but with each month, he grew more distant. At Christmas, we met in New York City. 
We had once mapped the blossoming of our relationship on the streets and parks of L.A. In New York, we mapped its unspoken disillusion. After we had returned to our far-flung homes, he called and said, I can't do this. His book was only half-written, and our combined earning power was minimal, so the prospect of supporting ourselves and perhaps a family too was overwhelming to him. I had faith that we could figure it out, but I could not persuade him. Both of us miserable, we said goodbye. For a couple of days, I lay in bed, letting my body do the morning for me. Before we broke up, I had begun to fear that our relationship was doomed from the start, our imagined future a delusion. Now I felt only loss, not of something doomed, but of something that had been almost within reach. I returned to my routines feeling hollowed out, but gradually I was revived by sunshine, time, and the increasingly pressing problem of my livelihood. I moved to Brooklyn, where I had friends and family, and I took a film editing course. A couple months later, I landed my first editing job. It paid little, but I knew I had found a profession and a city in which I could thrive. I made these changes for myself, on my own path of self-actualization. But in doing so, I had become a more tenable potential partner, and arguably, a more worthy one. By moving east, I had also cut the physical distance between me and Nick in half. On his 26th birthday, I dropped him a line. We exchanged a few tentative emails, then agreed to talk on the phone. We hadn't spoken for eight months. When we had warmed up to each other, he blurted, I want to see you. I said no, wary of falling back together without clear intentions. He was quiet. Then something shifted in him. He said, I want to come live with you. He had finished a draft of his Ashby biography that very day. Tracing a life from beginning to end had given him new confidence and clarity. Hearing how I too had changed, he came around. Nick and I have been married for 13 years and have a 10-year-old daughter. The length of our marriage now matches the difference in our ages. And as if those years of family life have filled in the age gap, we barely notice it anymore. Last year, we went back to the library to visit and to show our daughter where we met. Many of the people we knew were still there, but I wasn't worried about Harold and Maude jokes. We have our own story now.
Every great love story begins with a Harry Winston diamond. For nearly a century, Harry Winston has been the name behind some of the world's most exceptional diamonds. That's because every Harry Winston diamond ring is as one of a kind as the love story it represents, the ultimate symbol of romance, devotion, and elegance. From emerald cut and cushion cut to oval and pear-shaped, every diamond is hand-selected for maximum beauty and brilliance and placed in a timeless platinum setting. Say I do to a Harry Winston engagement ring and you're happily ever after at harrywinston.com. I use the New York Times Games app every single day. I love playing Connections. With Connections, I need to twist my brain to see the different categories. I think I know this connection. Look, Bath is a city in England, Sandwich is a city in England, Reading is a city in England, and I'm going to guess Derby is a city in England. I started Wordle 194 days ago, and I haven't missed a day. The New York Times Games app has all the games right there. I absolutely love Spelling Bee. I always have to get genius. I've seen you yell at it and say, that (laughs) should be a word. Totally should be a word. Sudoku is kind of my version of lifting heavy weights at the gym. At this point, I'm probably more consistent with doing the crossword than brushing my teeth. When I can finish a hard puzzle without pins, I feel like the smartest person in the world. When I have to look up a clue to help me, I'm learning something new. It gives me joy every single day. Start playing in the New York Times Games app. You can download it at nytimes.com slash games app. The New York Times has been reporting on weddings since its first ever issue back in 1851. But those announcements, I mean, they were really cut and dry, you know, like so-and-so, the daughter of so-and-so, marries the son of whoever. In the 90s, the Times started this section called Vows. It tells the personal stories of couples who were getting married, and there was one couple recently who caught our attention. My name is Edgar Alonso. I'm Beatriz Rivera. And I married Beatriz Rivera. In winter of 2021. When we first started dating and just hanging out, our relationship was really fun. We'd listen to Cuban music for hours upon end, and it just never got tiring to her. She loved it as much as I did, and that to me was a pretty big deal. He wasn't the type of guy that I thought I would date. I'm out there partying and DJing parties, and Beatriz is not. He couldn't believe I was 42, and he was, what, 36. She's just in a different place in life than I am. I was just out of a divorce. I went on dates, but nothing serious. So for me, is having this independence that I didn't have because I was a young mom. You know, I had my daughter when I was 20. I did have a imaginary checklist in my head of what I would want for myself and a wife. And for me, it was a woman who was younger, someone who had never been married, someone who never had had children. And those are all things that I felt Beatriz just wasn't offering. His checklist was valid. He doesn't have any children. And me being 42, the odds of us having children aren't there. And so I decided that I needed to break up with her. I think he was having a hard time really saying the words, I'm breaking up with you. The way she reacted was devastating. She was crying in our living room, just uncontrollably. 
He packed up his things and it seemed like there was no evidence he was ever here. That's how fast he packed up his things. The first thing that I did after that conversation was visit my parents. I thought that they'd be happy for me because I thought they wanted to be grandparents and I'm their only child, but they really weren't. My mom cried. My dad walked away from me. My grandmother stood there with her arms folded, shaking her head from side to side, saying, no, esto es un error. When we broke up, both his mom and his grandma were the sweetest towards me. One day, Edgar's grandma pulled up in her blue Jeep, blasting rap, blasting it with her shades on. And we got in the car and we're like driving to Sacramento to run some errands that she needed to do. And I think that mostly just to spend some time together. And I never really had a grandma. So I think one thing that I loved is that I, I got to have a grandma. And so I did start looking for women that were checking off the boxes. And yet, I really just could not see my future without Beatriz. I just kept coming back to Beatriz. And I kept thinking, what is the future with children if I can't have Beatriz with me. And it wasn't long before I realized that I had to kind of rethink the boxes. Edgar texted me and said, hey, how are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm good. I was very short and very like, yeah, good. He's like, hey, I think I, I, think I forgot something at the apartment. Are you going to be around? And we had made a plan to meet like a Thursday. And I was looking, okay, I'm going to look all great for that Thursday. He texted Wednesday, the day before. I had just gotten back from my hairstylist to get my new look. And uh, he said, hey, I can't make Thursday. I'm actually just got off work. Can I stop by now? I didn't have any time to put something cute on or sexy or anything. It was just very much of how I was looking from work. She opened the door and she was looking amazing. She was looking drop dead gorgeous. She knew what she was doing. This was not an accident. I remember the feeling that when he looked at me, I'm like, oh, you think I look hot right now. <laughs> I'm like... I don't know if he noticed that I got a new haircut. We were back on at that instant that I walked through the door. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to make amends. I wanted to make sure that I was protecting my heart. When he broke up with me, I was very clear with him and said, like, if you need to find what you need to find, you do that. But I will not be a booty call. If you come back to me, it's because we're going to be in a relationship again. I knew that I had hurt her in a way that she'd never been hurt before. And I needed to make up for that in a big way. I knew that I had to tell her what was going through my mind. I am ready to move past the check boxes because it doesn't matter to me anymore. I felt like she was looking at me in a way that was full of love and acceptance and forgiveness. I had had a conversation with my head. I'm like, we're not going to have sex. This isn't going to happen. Um, and of course it did happen, but... <laughs> and, and it was nice. 
but it happened because I wanted it to happen. And so that's how we were able to move on. Pre-breakup, he was very much like hesitant, like, oh, but, oh, she is older. Oh, but she has been married. So I can't truly just give my whole self. And when we got back together, he gave me his all, all his love, all his attention, everything. Beatrice and Edgar were married on November 20th, 2021, in Berkeley, California. Modern Love is produced by Julia Botero and Hans Buto. It's edited by Sarah Saracen. This episode was mixed by Dan Powell, who also created the incredible Modern Love theme music. Original music in this episode by Chelsea Daniel, Alicia Baitup, and Marion Lozano. Digital production by Mahima Chablani. Special thanks to Anna Diamond at Autumn and to Tammy Lagorse, who first wrote about Edgar and Beatrice in the Vows column in February 2022. The Modern Love column is edited by Dan Jones. Mia Lee is the editor of Modern Love Projects. I'm Anna Martin. Thanks for listening. Every great love story begins with a Harry Winston diamond. For nearly a century, Harry Winston has been the name behind some of the world's most exceptional diamonds. That's because every Harry Winston diamond ring is as one-of-a-kind as the love story it represents, the ultimate symbol of romance, devotion, and elegance. From emerald cut and cushion cut to oval and pear-shaped, every diamond is hand-selected for maximum beauty and brilliance and placed in a timeless platinum setting. Say I do to a Harry Winston engagement ring and you're happily ever after at harrywinston.com.